A production of Sloan Studios. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. The events of a certain balmy night in August of 1955 would certainly read like a smash hit straight out of Hollywood. The strangest of encounters would take place at a secluded family farmhouse in rural Kentucky, miles away from the next neighborhoods. Two entire families became imprisoned and surrounded by what they described as goblins from outer space. It was tense. A standoff that lasted for hours well into the early morning and would leave behind one of the most truly remarkable of accounts. Also left behind visible evidence of something very strange having had happened, as well as several battered, shaken, and in some cases, even wounded witnesses. Now, as wild as this night sounds, and whatever the goblins were, these events are still the subject of debates that rage on today. And not at the very least, as we will look a little later into the matter, is the information that began to surface decades later. This information would link the incident to one of the prime UFO hotspots in the U.S. But just what happened that evening in the summer of 1955 in Kentucky, and how does it fit into the larger UFO and alien picture? We're about to find out. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and this is episode number 46, The Night of the Kentucky Goblins, The Mountain Mystery of the Suttons, of Hopkinsville. I will be the last to fall. I won't shed a tear for them to see. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was, it was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd but they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and now your host, Chris Sloan. It was just after 8 p.m. on the 21st of August in 1955. The state, Kentucky. Billy Ray Taylor and his family were staying with their friends the Suttons, after arriving from Pennsylvania. The Suttons' farmhouse sat about eight miles from the small town of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. While fetching water from the well just a little bit away, Billy Ray noticed a strange light in the sky. 
It appeared to be on fire, but with all the colors of the rainbow, as opposed to the flame orange. He followed the craft, not daring to take his eye from it. It eventually vanished over the tree lines and came to a stop in a clearing. He rushed back to the main house where his wife, June, and the Suttons were talking. He would claim to have seen a flying saucer that glowed brilliantly with an exhaust all the colors of the rainbow, he said. As we'll examine later, most of the room would simply humor Billy Ray at the best of times, and, well, they would certainly do so now with this bizarre story. They would, by and large, dismiss him and carry on chatting as they were. But then something strange happened. The sudden and frantic barks of the family dog. That kind of barking that means something was outside and coming on fast. However, as soon as the dog was unleashed to investigate, he whimpered and crawled away underneath the house. The family wouldn't see him again until well into the next morning after the oncoming events. So is it possible? I mean, come on, little green men from outer space? Ah. Well, maybe. It seems everyone in the house now edged to the windows of the property to look outside into the night, all the while the dog's whining and whimpers continued. The Sutton's oldest son, Lucky, and Billy Ray went outside, trying to get a closer look. Lucky was the first one to notice a green glowing object heading in their direction. The other saw it too upon his calls, and it got closer and closer. It was apparent that the glow came from a small humanoid figure. Well, to begin with, the strange goblin-like creature remained at a distance. Well, at first. Then, as if it had suddenly realized it was under the two men's gaze, it flung its arms into the air and surged towards the house. Both Taylor and Sutton raised their guns and opened fire. The bullets did impact on their target, but they simply flipped the creature over. Unheard, it quickly retreated back to the shadows, allowing the two men to return to the house. It was then that they saw another goblin-like creature staring at them off from the side window of the property. And that is what began the all-night standoff. Might want to get your popcorn for this one. Again, they opened up fire on the menacing figure. And again, a direct hit only appeared to merely stun it. Within seconds, it appeared again and ran for cover away from the property. It would become quickly apparent that more than one of these otherworldly beings had taken an interest in them. Billy Ray, with Lucky covering him, went back to the door ready to investigate again. As he stepped outside, a claw reached down from above. Set on the roof, one of the goblin creatures had his hair in its grasp. Lucky shot at the silver-clad glowing figure, and he hit it. But the impact only sent the strange being floating down to the ground. The bullet sent a metallic ping sound through the night. Once on the ground, it quickly vanished again. As the two men prepared to re-enter the house, they both noticed multiple glows in the trees around them. Well, they decided to take their chances, and the two families rushed from the house and into their respective vehicles. They screamed away from the farmhouse in the direction of Hopkinsville's police station. In the aftermath, people were completely taken aback by the strange nature of their report. Police, who were witnesses to the family statements, were equally aware of the authentic fear and surprise they appeared to be in. 
whatever it was that they had seen. They believed that they were, at least from their point of view, telling the truth. They would escort two families back to the farmhouse and investigate the scene for themselves, perhaps telling of how seriously the police took the reports is the request to nearby Fort Campbell for military assistance. Although one officer did make a report of what he thought to be a strange glowing in the woods, none of the mysterious menacing figures surfaced in front of the police anyway. They did make a note of the extent of the damage to the property and the surrounding area. The military unit quickly did a sweep of the area. Shortly after two o'clock in the morning, the Taylors and the Suttons would return to their farmhouse, unfortunately for the two families. So did the mysterious creatures. With the police and the military unit now having left, the two families once again engaged with these beings. By five o'clock in the morning, just as the sun rose over the farmhouse, the creatures began to retreat, this time for good. A report would appear in the Kentucky New Era newspaper the next day. The once again quiet and peaceful farmhouse was suddenly the desired location for UFO researchers and investigators. The scrutiny and interest became so intense, the Suttons would eventually sell the farm. There are apparently UFO hotspots all over the world, and this one may not be as different as many. Well, at least there's one in comparison. Brown Mountain in North Carolina is often the subject of strange sightings of orbs. A lot of rumors and theories are about that the mountain is really an alien or UFO base. Well, further to that, a secret network of ancient tunnels stretches out for the miles beneath the ground. However, a strange find in the 1970s seemed to link the mountain to the Kentucky Goblins and the incident at Sutton's farmhouse decades earlier. The author of the book, The Brown Mountain Lights, Ralph Lyell, would make claims to having found the mummified remains of an alien goblin-like creature. As if that weren't enough. He hadn't simply found the creature. He stated that he had been guided to it. In the early 60s, Lyell came to Brown Mountain to investigate sightings of orbs. Now, according to the author, an orb actually led him inside the mountain on the first of several journeys that he would take. The orb would actually speak to him telepathically, claiming itself to be a gas-based life form. It was the orb that led Lyell to the mummified remains and instructed him to remove it from the mountain. He should do this, the orb said, as proof of his encounter. Well, for lack of a better word, the mummy itself bore a remarkable resemblance to the creatures described by the Suttons and the Taylors. Around three feet tall, the creature also had arms too long for its body, as well as an enlarged head. But was Ralph Lyell's evidence destroyed? Although the vast majority of people were skeptical of Lyell's claims, he's not once deviated from his statement. He would also make claims to be regularly harassed by government agents since making these claims. Well, maybe it is a coincidence that almost immediately following his death in 1978, the shop he owned was completely demolished and pulled to the ground? Well, sure enough, it was. Everything in it became lost, including many, believe, the strange mummified alien. Could it be possible that this strange mummified body was one of the, quote, goblins, end quote, from that chilling evening in 1955? 
Is that one slither of proof that the mountains of the Americas are somehow connected via vast and unknown tunnels? A lot of Native American tribes speak of underground tunnels made thousands of years ago by advanced civilizations. Could it be that the mummified remains have actually been recovered by whoever made the decision to have the premise destroyed? Or might Lyell himself have simply been an opportunist? Well, there's a plethora of unanswered questions here, of course, but with the Hopkinsville invasion and Ralph Lyell's strange find, keep this and other cases like them very much in the limelight of the UFO and conspiracy communities. And if there is ever to be any kind of answers that could satisfy people, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And we'll see in a moment, however, such a lack of evidence would leave open the witnesses to the Kentucky Goblins incident to all kinds of accusations of a hoax. There is no doubt that they took a real beating after this happened. There were a lot of cries of a hoax in the days and weeks that followed the reports of the incidents. As a matter of fact, by early 1956, with UFO researchers, albeit fewer and farther in between, they were still trekking to the region to get the family's version of events. Well, the Sutton and Taylor families have gotten tired of talking to anyone about this bizarre night. And they were tired of leaving themselves open to ridicule and all the worse for their trouble. In truth, according to Isabel Davis and Ted Blocher, in their book Close Encounter at Kelly, much of the suspicion for a hoax lay at the feet of Billy Ray Taylor, the man who claimed to have seen the spaceship land in the woods. And what's even more bizarre, even the other witnesses were indifferent to Billy Ray's attitude. Well, it seems like Billy Ray was always more than happy to talk to anyone, seemingly adding a few more details with each telling. Look, it's one thing to make claims of having seen something strange land in the woods, uh, by the way, to which he was the only witness. But it's something entirely different, being able to create an elaborate and sustained attack of several hours against multiple armed family members? Well, that's almost certainly something entirely different. It would appear, then, that while Billy Ray seemingly saw the opportunity as a potential financial windfall, unless he had still unknown accomplices or all 11 witnesses were active participants, both of which are highly unlikely, there's little reason to suspect a hoax on his part. His actions, though, likely gave ample ammunition to skeptics just looking for a weak link to exploit. Ultimately, the witnesses took a real beating in the press, Furthermore, many people would appear at their home wanting to set up souvenir stands and offer tours. The family declined any and all such offers. Well, since then, a lot of researchers have examined the case over the years. A lot. Indeed, still today, over 60 years later, interest in the case remains high in the relevant communities. As a reflection of this, a lot of theories and claims are in circulation to explain these mysterious events that night. One of the most popular is that the family witnessed an aggressive pair of local great horned owls, as opposed to aliens or goblins. On the surface, this sounds reasonable. After all, their physical appearance could, depending upon perspective, match the descriptions of the witnesses, and they can stand at a similar height or just short of three feet tall. But 
This seemingly sensible explanation did not please everyone. Oh, no. One UFO researcher identified as Jerome Clark in his 1993 book Unexplained would dismiss this suggestion. He would state that the witnesses who fired their weapons on the creatures distinctly remember the sound resembling bullets striking a metal bucket. He would further point to the presence of an odd luminous patch near the fence where one of the creatures was shot. Some would suggest this substance was foxfire, a fungus that appears on decaying wood. However, this would also surface in the woods in the direction that the creatures came from and then went back to. He would state, and I quote, Investigations by police, Air Force officers, and from nearby Fort Campbell, and from civilian ufologists found no evidence of a hoax. End quote. Even claims by skeptics that several members of the family had been drinking on the night in question do not hold much weight. One of the eight adults that were there, most were really... Of the eight adults that were there, most were relatively sober... Of the eight adults that were there, most were relatively sober aside from the drinks with their meals. Furthermore, three of the eleven witnesses were children, and they had not consumed any alcohol whatsoever. It would certainly appear that there is a lot more to this case than just mistaken identity. Another theory is the CIA and a mind control connection. Although it wouldn't come to light until around 2009, it would appear that the CIA had an interest in the Kentucky encounter as far back as 1956. In the book entitled A Terrible Mistake, The Murder of Frank Olson and the CIA's Secret Cold War Experiments, H.P. Alberelli not only looks at the suspicious death of Dr. Olson, who was an increasing voice of concern against the agency's mind control programs, but also at apparent links to several well-known UF cases, including the Hopkinsville case. Alberelli claims that the CIA would issue orders to discreetly investigate events concerning the Kentucky happenings. It's Well, what's more, they would state that the investigation related to phenomena witnessed in the skies and on the ground. He would further name the person in charge of the investigation as John Mulholland, who, after spending the first half of the 20th century as a master magician, would suddenly begin discreet work with the intelligence agency in the mid-50s? Furthermore, he would develop and advise the agency greatly on their MK Ultra and mind control programs. Now, this is an interesting notion. There has been rampant speculation for decades by some that many UFO sightings and certainly many alien abductions have their roots in military experiments. Well, could it be that such incidents as the Kentucky Goblins encounter were some kind of a mind control experiment? Uh, it's a reach. Or might it be not an experiment by the U.S. intelligence agencies, but an actual mental attack by Soviet forces? A new secretive kind of warfare that made citizens of the West question their own sanity as well as the sanity of those around them. Well, it seems like any way you cut it, whether they were actually little green goblins from outer space or great horned owls or something, this definitely is a mountain mystery. Please make sure to support us on Patreon. <laughs>
The Mountain Mystery is going back to weekly releases with a new website and some other changes coming quite soon, so make sure that you keep your eye out on that. The website will load quicker, there'll be more content, and it will look and feel very user-friendly and incredible. But please support us either on Patreon, Spotify, with a one-time donation, or become a Patreon member and get early access to all episodes plus bonus content. For The Mountain Mysteries, I'm Chris Sloan. Until we meet again, stay mysterious. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support The Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.